Now, Sports Talk with Broads. Here's Hunter Brody. What is going on, everyone? Welcome on into Sports Talk with Broads. I feel a lot of fans will look at this victory as a bad one, and wow, they just escaped Cleveland, and oh man, I can't stand it. And don't get me wrong, I hated the third quarter. There's no way in hell that you should get outscored as soon as halftime is done that poorly, where you only score 13 points, especially when you look at the quarter prior and you scored 42 in the second. So it's definitely frustrating from that angle, but that was a good character adversity hit on the road against a team that we may not look at as a championship caliber squad, no matter where they are in the Eastern Conference, but it's a good opponent, a squad that brings you fight, it brings you edge, and you're on the road, and I thought that there were a lot of good points in the fourth quarter that stood out to me to the point where I jotted all of them down and I got you. You lose the lead, you get the lead, you lose the lead, you get the lead An offensive rebound makes you upset. And I totally understand, but there was a lot that was done in a good way in that fourth that I don't want to downplay just because from an overall standpoint, it wasn't as pretty and it wasn't as beautiful as maybe you would have liked from the eyes This team right now is going through a grind and it has to be a bear down type of moment that gets you feeling good again after the disappointment that happened against the Brooklyn Nets and some of the efforts we've seen and some of the outcomes we've seen since then unacceptable. So even if it isn't a beautiful brand and it gets a bit murky and you're going back and forth. Welcome to the NBA against a good team. You're playing a team that has talent. Garland, Kevin Love made some shots. They have a respected squad, especially when you're not feeling your greatest. I'll take this as a positive, and I love it. So here's the fourth quarter. I mean, I don't love it, love it. I prefer a blowout. But in terms of dialing in what they did late and buckets were made that were important to me and says a lot about some of the players coming up in those moments, that matters to me. We understand the bench sucks. The bench is bad. And that's why when I asked the question, could they win a championship if their starters execute, even with a poor bench, if you work the rotations properly? And I think we're finding out how much more difficult it is than when you just stated, because Matisse Thibel once again makes me want to blow my brains out when I witness him all the stupid ass fouls on top of that. Miss layup, miss layup, miss layup, miss layup, miss wide open three point look. He did hit one, but am I really supposed to go standing ovation now for one when you have to defend Matisse Thibel so much to the point where when one three pointer is made, you lose my think about bragging about one three-pointer in a basketball game this is what drives me crazy and then he'll come back the next night and he'll play the next game and he'll have nine billion steals against Jokic and he'll have a big time block but this crushes your soul when you are trying to play offense in the NBA this is problematic And it's causing you so many problems, especially when your alternatives stink. Think about Isaiah Joe getting run in the fourth quarter. Now, Doc Rivers never gives him a real chance to ever feel himself out there and get into some sort of flow, which is definitely an issue. A very odd time. And and I find it hilarious. Doc Rivers went back and forth with, 
Keith Pompey again tonight during the post-game show. It wasn't as outrageous as we heard in the past. It wasn't as monstrous as we've seen in other situations play out when he gets bothered by being pushed a bit. But when they were trying to figure out, Keith Pompey specifically, about the rotation, I don't understand, says Doc. I don't understand why everyone cares. Do people care about Golden State? Do people talk about their rotation? Here we go again. Whenever someone brings up legitimate conversation and pushback on you, Doc, here goes the walls. You know that there are fans aggravated about your rotations. Now, I'm on the record, and the reason why this kind of transitioned the way that it did, saying that what are your options other than Matisse Thibel? Isaiah Joe isn't very good. Maybe better, but he's not very good. right? And obviously, Matisse is a starter. I'm just saying Danny Green, he's a shell of himself at this point. Niang's starting to get colder. He went through his hot stretch, but now he's coming back down to reality a little bit. Furkan Korkmaz is horrendous. Shake Milton is what he is. He's just a guy that some nights shows you some wow to it, and then other nights just becomes basically nobody and irrelevant when he gets his number called. So I don't know what Doc Rivers is supposed to do throughout these times, but at the end of the day, Doc Rivers, hearing it, and hearing reasonable questions being asked, the fact that he reacts as strongly as he does, it just bothers me because it's someone who is showing signs of weakness. Doc Rivers has done it a billion times so far here in Philadelphia where it's a track record. And I know that's probably not one of the bigger takeaways throughout what we witnessed today, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are some others talking about it the same way I did. But when I caught it, my eyebrows started to raise. I'm writing my notes, getting ready for the show as Doc Rivers is talking on NBC Sports Philadelphia Philadelphia on the post game show, and I'm just laughing, shaking my head. I mean, what is it with this clown? What is it with this guy? I'm not the biggest Doc Rivers fan in the world, as you can tell, but at the same time, I respectfully understand that you want to scream for other apples. DeAndre Jordan stinks. Put in Bassey. Okay, if you want to put in Bassey, I'm not going to complain. But putting in Charles Bassey isn't the difference in blowing out basketball teams or not. You need some guys that you can rely on to give you seven points off the bench, eight points off the. Is there anyone? on this bench right now that you can ask for eight points a night that you could rely on? Absolutely not. Danny Green goes 0 for 5 on some nights. DeAndre Jordan is what he is. He's just stiff and he doesn't have anything left. Shake Milton, okay, maybe on a night, but it's not consistent enough where if I said put your life on it, put your life on it that he gets eight points. I don't want to do that to anybody. I don't even want to put anyone in that circumstance, so I apologize. But that's how devastating it is. Let's get to this fourth quarter stretch of good plays that I witnessed. Maxi hit a three. Not the one we're thinking of. Not that major splash that was awesome. The balls on this guy. The testicles on this kid. He also had that pump fake from three and then drive to the lane as he's flying through the air. Some of us like to call that Air Maxi. He might get his own shoe. The Maxi one. The Maxi 11s. The Maxi sixes. Just like we've seen with Jordan this gets flying out there but other than the one that we're all thinking about there was a previous three to tie the basketball game up that was very very important to the win and Bede gets an and one on a pump fake 
gets the defender up. He's basically on one leg. And not to get too sidetracked, but how about when he got the ball from basically around the free throw line? There's a couple defenders on his way. He loses the ball. He picks it up. He runs backwards to the three-point line and sets his feet to drill it. And I love that the, when you go back and watch that play, watch the way that he squared up his body. He set his feet before taking that shot. Sensational. But I loved him being and one, getting the defenders up in the air uh, and being fouled, rolling to the basket. So we're looking at a little bit of a two-man game and him going downhill, which I think is going to be a massive improvement to other styles of offense that we've seen. There's something he said about that. I don't know how you stop that. Let's keep going. Let that keep going. Let him and Harden play that two-man game, utilize the screen, read the defense properly and get it to him while he's trucking away down full speed the way that he does. Niang hit a corner three. Great defense by Tobias Harris on a possession that led the Cavaliers down a path of taking a contested three that really wasn't in rhythm whatsoever. The Sixers end up getting the basketball in that fourth quarter a little bit later on. Gets an O board. Harden drives to take the lead. And beating Harden in another two-man game. And then Maxi for three with 116. But there's a big area here that I definitely want to emphasize afterwards. It became a free throw game. And James Harden knocking down two sets of free throws. Game on the line. Not only that, so did Maxi. One of your guards. Actually, I should say both of your guards. I was going to reference and target Tyrese Maxey specifically because he's young, games on the line, hostile environment. There were moments where the crowd got loud and it seemed they were taken over and the momentum completely shifted out of the Sixers' way. You saw that second half, right, or that second quarter bleeding into the second half. Sixers 40-plus points. I'm not telling you it was all perfect, but you put up 40. You put up 30-plus you look at these quarters and the way their offense was playing and their defense in transition has murdered them as of late. That was different tonight too. It wasn't as if, as if I watched Cleveland run up and down the floor on you and make passes in lanes where nobody's getting back and there's no hustle and there's no effort. Actually, it's crazy because in the beginning of the game, I was wondering, why is Joel Embiid out there? Because my personal opinion, he wouldn't have played against Orlando. So then the second half of the back-to-back with, with not Utah, but with Denver, that he would have been fresh there. He had to get yanked out of that game at one point, and Doc Rivers admitted afterwards that Joel Embiid said that he was tired and he was fatigued, so he needed a moment to breathe. He needed a breather. I would have sat him against Orlando, even though it was clear that he needed him to win that basketball game. If I'm thinking of the long term of the big man, happy birthday, Joel, by the way. Not a bad day at the office for your birthday. 35, 17, five assists. Outrageous. Just another day of clocking. Let me clock in real quick, babe. I'll be back in about three hours. <laughs> I mean, really? This dude's ridiculous. Knowing how his body was, though, entering the night, I wouldn't have played him, but he was out there, and he definitely had some good footwork early on. Soft touch around the rim. Soft touch with that mid-range jumper, too. Good footwork, kind of creating his spot and squaring up when using that Olajuwon-like moves. Bucket after bucket, missing only one field goal attempt in that first frame. Grooving into the second half. When you look at the box score, he's got 20. Casual. Good for him. 
Now, with James Harden, I thought a lot of those possessions that I'm raving about, it mattered that he had the ball in his hands and he calmly ran the offense. With that said, you got to criticize how unworthy he is right now of shooting the damn rock, of being aggressive, of playing James Harden. Everyone was afraid that he'd be too selfish. I'm watching a guy right now where it seems to be the complete opposite, which is this guy is not selfish enough, right? Looking to pass to other people always. And I got it. You're a point guard. That's the mindset of a point guard. Let's get my teammates going and let's see if we can explode for any sort of offense, get some other players involved in, in some good looks and create havoc by driving to the lane, getting defenders to swarm on you, kick it out to a wide open green or a wide open bench player, anybody else out there with you. But at times, I feel that he's drawing so much attention to that in his brain that it is impacting maybe when I would like to live and die with the James Harden attempt, with the James Harden shot, where right now it's so team-heavy, 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 team-heavy. When is it now going to be, yo, James, look, fellas, all right, I understand that you want to be a team player. And I'm sure over the years, you have transitioned more into thinking about teammates. That's why when you see the assist numbers, 11 assists, 14 assists, 12 assists, this is no joke. That's a very difficult task to have. Double-digit assists basically every single night within. But he gives you, what, 21 points or so? I, I like more of that 26, 27, 28. Even then, I would still like him to be more aggressive on some of those nights too. But if you're more in that 26, 27, 28 with 11 assists, that's probably where I'm more excited about. And keep in mind, I just mentioned late game free throws, which I'm not downplaying. That matters to winning basketball games. But if you subtract that from the point total, it's 17. I need him to put his his downwards hat on. What does that even mean? I have no idea. I just want him to be more of an aggressive dude. Let's go, James. Let's go. All around, though, your starters, you look at the distribution, you got your three players having respected nights. And when that happens, you have an opportunity to win a basketball game. It comes down to, will your role players have enough life and keep you enough after your starters keep you involved, do they do enough on their respected end to keep themselves in that game as well? And tonight, they did. The other night, they didn't. When they played Denver, I thought they played a fine game starter-wise to come out victorious. You just needed someone. And tonight, there was enough through the collective group to just have enough. It was back and forth, back and forth. But when things get testy and when things get uncomfortable, which it obviously is that way for the Sixers right now, I, I, I'm okay with a dogfight like this. And sometimes a dogfight isn't pretty. And tonight it was one of those where, uh, you know, you had some moments where Embiid fouls right out of an inbound pass and you're sending them to the line late. Why? Why would that ever happen? Can't happen. Tobias Harris fouls out, and there's a big and one. And I thought Tobias, from an offensive standpoint, there were moments where he looked more comfortable, no? And he shot the ball efficiently, and he was very smooth within his approach. And I'd say over the last three, four games or so, from a team standpoint, we would like it to, to kind of take that next step. But at the same time, Tobias individually, it does seem like there's something to be said about, okay, it's starting to click. It's not fully click. It's not a thousand percent there, but you're definitely recognizing possessions where that's what we're looking for, Toby. 
You can't foul out, though, like that. There are so many stressful fouls that I witnessed, whether it was Tobias or whether it was Matisse Thibel. It's a blessing and a curse with Matisse Thibel. There's reasons why you love him to death, and that's because he causes all sorts of havoc by being in the lanes and nonstop coming around full speed when you're least expecting it. will poke the ball out from you like you saw with Jokic a few times last effort. At the same time, though, you got to find a balance and get a little bit better in the department of not being so damn aggressive. Year one, year two of Matisse Thibel, I think I could live with it. Now it's when are you going to pick up on the details of the game that is going to take you to the next level? I am very hard on Matisse Thibel. I know. That's because I think that there's something in there that if he got into that untapped potential, it's even greater. That's why I was so harsh on Ben. Why was I mean and mad and always so pissed off to Ben Simmons? Because I know he could be good if there was a part to his game that he applied and was willing. With Matisse Thibel, this guy's skills, he's, he's raw, but damn, can they take over games to the point where he changes the outcome of games when his defense is pure and rolling. Where when I see these details that should be learned by now at this level, Matisse, these are the things that you have to focus on so much. Three-point shooting and then those areas where you're not picking up your third foul early. Or you're not picking up your second foul early. Where now you're already limited team that has a disgustingly poor bench. Now you have to dive into that and play some of those cats. Not that I'm telling you I love the offense from Matisse because I don't. And that limits you and hinders you as it is too. But you see the big snowball effect that happens. It's it's definitely troublesome when that's the case. And right now, there's a lot of people down on the Sixers because of this four-game run or so. And what I'm witnessing is a team that's ironing, ironing out some kinks. And I think we're definitely focusing on how bad the bench is. And maybe it is becoming more problematic than we gave it credit for. At the same time, they did just win a basketball game on the road. And not all playoff games are going to be something that satisfies you with the pleasure of watching it with your eyes. If this was a playoff game and the Sixers just won game two of a series to go up 2-0 and it looked this way afterwards, what are we saying? Uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to dissect it and break it down and talk about how bad the bench was and how poor it was. But at the same time, you win a basketball game to go 2-0 up is also something to note. So they did win. I'm witnessing a team that we all mentioned when the trade went down. There will be all sorts of plays where you grind your teeth. And there'll be a lot of tough times that you have to be settled in for. And strap up because changing your point guard is going to change your entire organization. So now that we're working through that, I just remember to the point in time on when we stated that, now we're just experiencing it. So remember while you're watching the games, that you prepared yourself for this. At least you should have, respectfully. Maybe the difference is that when they first got going, it was awesome. So maybe it was a little bit of fool's gold to connect with the fan base in the early jump, in the early go. Things to work on, things to iron out. They're working through it. They're grinding through it. There's not a lot of time left, and maybe that's why these players are playing. While I'm sitting them against Orlando, and I'm questioning if if Joel should play on his birthday, maybe they realize we only have X amount of games left before the playoffs. We need to figure this thing out. 
There's no wasted opportunities. And on top of that, Joel is just a different level of competitor these years too, which definitely is added to the conversation. All right, so 856-442-9805. I'm going to open up the phone lines now. 856-442-9805 if you want to climb in and uh, share your thoughts on what we witnessed tonight and a bit about where the 76ers are now. You have the opportunity to do so. And we will go to our first caller. Good morning. Good evening. Good night. What the hell is it? Good night. Good evening. You're on Broads Media. What's up, bro? How's it going? This is Jordan from Mount Holly. Yeah, what's hey, bro, happening? I got a qu- I got a question for you. So, what are we thinking about the decision making that Doc had right in the third quarter, where what seemed to be a little bit of a Cavaliers run, uh, and then DeAndre Jordan checks in? Are we worried at all about decision making down the road, or? Yeah, I think we going to be something that we can see. No, I mean, I think that we've seen that from even last off, or excuse me, last playoff run. And thank you. That's a good question. We knew this, though. We knew this after last year, and some even caught it out prior to him signing with the Philadelphia 76ers that we've seen poor decision-making made all the time by Doc Rivers, and that kind of translates perfectly to what I was saying that happened during the post-game show where he fuels up and he just lets it all out. There's a bit of rage involved whenever he gets going and someone starts pushing his buttons and fighting back at him with some certain thoughts because I believe that there's now a bigger narrative and there's a lot more national media attention to Doc Rivers and his flaws. So there's definitely scare from me with Doc Rivers. Now, just like a poor bench, one thing that I always note is NBA superstars make up for flaws in head coaches too. Budenholzer had so many issues, so many problems. They'll never win with Budenholzer. And then Giannis drops 50. And Chris Middleton gives you 40 plus. And I'm not saying that that Budenholzer did nothing, but just like if you have a poor bench, your players can make up for it. Your superstars can do the thing. They're three stars today. They were awesome. Tobias was electric in his form, and they won even with a terrible performance by your bench. And with Doc Rivers, just like you mentioned, he made a decision. There's a third quarter run. It's getting out of control. It's absolutely ridiculous. But then down the stretch, I gave you all of those sequences of players executing from Maxi to James Harden to Joel Embiid. And because of that, the bench issues, it didn't matter to this game. They still were able to win. That Doc Rivers problem, they still won the game even with it. So... You need this type of execution and this type of effort from all of your four players that I just alluded to to even been in that scenario, which I don't know if that's reliable every single night considering we've seen some down spurts here and there of Harden. We're starting to experience what that looks like. And on top of that, Tyrese Maxey's super young and it's hard to demand a young child at this point in the NBA purposes and a young child to never have a down game, to never have a hiccup in an NBA playoff series. That that's too much to put on one player like that when he's barely learned what NBA basketball is all about. Yeah, he's just too too young to fully know and digest it. But to answer your question, absolutely, absolutely. There's a track record now of Doc Rivers and how terrible it's been and how he underachieves with teams. And when he has players in LA, rubbed him the wrong way. It's it's problematic for sure. It's problematic for sure. Right now, 
Do I feel a bit different than I did when we were on that nice five-game high of James Harden coming here for the first time? Yeah, I feel a little different. I'm starting to, to see how a longer period of a window affects how we feel about certain spots on this roster, and that's basically why I always like to utilize a bigger window to give you my feelings on things. And when I break down why I feel a certain way, it all stems from, well, the track record needs to be larger. When I see certain things over a longer period of time, this isn't rocket science here, but you just get a a larger image so you can break down more details of everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a team that's ironing out some things. And on top of that, you, you got to have someone step up. It, it'll never be anyone consistent. But can it just be Thibel for one game? Can it just be Niang for two? Can it maybe be a Shake Milton game? Because it's not like you have a Lou Will, where you know Lou Will is going to be your walking bucket whenever you need it. That's just not the case. So with how you're currently constructed, it's let's flip a coin and pray whoever it lands on tonight can show their face and knock down a few threes. Whether it's Danny Green gives you two. Maybe it's one night where one guy or each guy makes one three. Niang one of four. Danny Green one for three. Shake Milton one. But all those threes as a collective unit was enough to win the basketball game. I don't know. I'm just spitballing though and saying that there's plenty of different ways maybe to get this thing done. We have a text message from Jonathan into the Anytime Hotline. Nearly died of a heart problem after that. Big threes late, clutch free throws late too. Defense has to be way better than that. But again, uh, scraped out a hard-fought battle with a key homestand coming up. Thank you, Jonathan, for the text message. I thought the transition D, which was always terrible as of late, has shut it down better tonight. Right? You didn't see the transition the same way as we witnessed. How about Jokic with some of those passes? Would thread the needle between a couple guys. Not that it was intense D, but let's just say there were two Sixers by the half court line and there's already someone streaking down court and he just bounce passes it between both of the Sixers defenders for an easy lay-in or for an easy dunk. I don't recall as many times witnessing that with the Cavs getting on some sort of fast break. Now, there's definitely, definitely ugly possessions for Matisse, uh, excuse me, but yes, Matisse Thibel, but Tyrese Maxey defensively. There are signs where he gets shot. And I thought it was interesting. Early on, I saw Darius Garland and Tyrese Maxey saying, you know, all right, let's do it. Let's ball. Let's see what you got on that defensive scrappy side. Things you like, things you don't like, things you don't like. At the same time, if he's going to be out there, you're going to see even better guards than Garland. Playoff time, as great as Garland is, and he's a fun player to watch, and he's going to be a great player in this league. Just like Maxi, very young, a lot of time to grow and learn what the body structure is like, what the physicality is like, what the playoffs are like, what a road atmosphere is like, what playoff seven-game series against 30-plus your old players. When I saw Kevin Garnett the other night, because they did the whole Jersey ceremony and it was at the TD garden and you see Kevin Durant underneath the basket, whether it was Jalen Brown and that big dunk that had the whole place erupt and the entire roof almost blew off because of how loud it got. When you see Kevin Garnett and you think about what he was like in his prime and what he would do in the paint and the physical brand of basketball, even though the game has changed, he wasn't playing in the, the, the 60s and 70s 
70s versions of guys who can't play and just push people around. No, Kevin Garnett could play and bring this oof to his game, this attitude and this edge. Imagine Maxi going through that in a seven-game series. That's the type of information that I love these young cats taking back to in the offseason so then they can grow as a player and realize, oh, damn, I need to match that level of play. I need to get that level of grit to my game. It'll be different because I'm not Kevin Garnett and we play different roles. What he does, though, with that fire and that flair, I have to bring it my own way. And also I have to bulk up and learn how it all happens from a physical standpoint, too. It's a grind. But I'm here for all these learning moments out of Tyrese Maxey. As much as his defense is bothersome, the offense, you're hitting big shots. You're hitting big free throws. He had a huge three to tie it, and he had a huge three to take the lead. And then he had a big board, too. Let's not downplay that board that happened before he got fouled to go to the free throw line. And there's been plenty of opportunities for teams to get second chance shots when the ball Long shot, long rebound. Here comes the offensive board. You keep moving the ball around. Then there's a drive. Now everyone defensively is scattered. They're trying to run back into position. There's a foul call. Go to the line. Oh, how many times do we have to sit through that? Crazy, 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 crazy. By the way, if you are new to the channel, Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Hit that thumbs up button as well. I greatly appreciate all of your support. If you're looking to buy tickets to go to any event out there, some Sixers home games coming up Friday. You got Dallas with Luka. There's so many great prices happening right now on SeatGeek where if you go to SeatGeek, you utilize their app or their website to buy tickets, plug in promo code BROADS, you will get $20 off of your ticket. So you're basically eliminating those fees and you can put it towards your parking. Promo code BROADS. Get yourself some nice tickets to go to a game soon. So no brainer. And then lastly, TikTok. We just hit 2,000 followers over on TikTok and we're incorporating a lot of fun there. So make sure you hit the follow button there. If you'd like to chime into the show, 856-442-9805. We do have some open lines and we have some text messages and we have some chats as well happening on the live stream. I can't thank you guys all enough for hanging out here tonight. DeAndre is a bust, says KTD in the chat. And yeah, DeAndre Jordan is definitely awful. Am I willing to, at this point, throw someone else in there? Probably, yeah. What can Bassey do any worse? Do I feel it will be the difference in making this team any higher on the scale of winning a championship or not? No, absolutely not. I don't think it'll be to that level, but it's just like similar to Isaiah Joe or anybody else. If you want to plug in something differently at this point, because what you're getting, you already know is too tough to live with. And you've already tried enough to say, well, maybe they'll just need to work themselves out. Like a Danny Green, for example. Right now, the team as a whole, yes, you can say that. No doubt. I could support that logic. But Danny Green has done it all year long where he just hasn't clicked. He hasn't been the guy to return like we saw last season where it was a slow start after that LA season where he won the 
the championship, came to the Sixers. There was a slow start involved, but there was a moment where it clicked. You can snap your fingers, and Danny Green was such a reliable player to the point where when he was not available for your team in the postseason, you saw how much different that team is. A lot of that has to do with having a point guard that doesn't shoot a basketball and hurts your spacing insanely, and then you have a floor spacer that's no longer there. That is a veteran who people have to respect so much. Yes, that's definitely a part of it is Ben Simmons who can't shoot a basketball and he's in the NBA and he's afraid to get better and he's a loser and he's a liar. But yes, I mean, that played a big role in it. Now with Danny Green, I've seen it enough. It's just not there. I can't imagine at this point, it, it would be blind faith. I'm sure a veteran who's done it forever, maybe, just maybe could have a hot month. And let's pray that that hot month happens when it's May. And if it happens to be May when it happens, then hallelujah, the Sixers have that guy that you can rely on for a couple, three, eight points. That eight points I was looking for, that is a reliable eight points. I'm not putting money down that that could happen, though, because by now I would have thought that the Danny Green thing would click. What do you lose by throwing Joe out there? Can it be worse than what we've seen out of Danny Green? No, I don't think so. I just don't think it changes either. You won't feel differently about this team because all of a sudden Isaiah Joe is a stud. You would have known that he's a stud by this point. He's just going to miss some shots too that will irritate us. But we're okay and and satisfied with it. Some maybe would be. Because I do find it hysterical. Whenever that happens, now I see the response of, why is Isaiah Joe out there? Get him out of here. He can't play. Well, you you didn't want Danny Green. And now now you don't want Isaiah Joe. And when Shake Milton's out there, you claim he stinks. And when Furcon's out there, you definitely don't. What do you want them to do at that point? And by the way, before we go to Lance in Kansas City, that does not mean the trade wasn't worth it because the depth of Seth Curry and Andre Drummond means you're going to title town because then you don't have enough real star power. You have star power right now. We knew that when Daryl Morey made the trade that there were still holes on the roster. And you you could scream about the buyout market all you want, but you weren't going to change that spot the right way with just a buyout market player. Unfortunately, what you needed to do was get to next offseason. But you got to play out this playoffs first, and then we will have those answers. Daryl Morey has a lot more work to do so we don't have to rely on these names that we constantly throw out there. That's hot garbage. But there was no acquiring those players. You can't just get six new players at the deadline. You can't just get four new game-changing players at the deadline. It's just not how it works. But what they did to get James Harden puts you in a better spot for this next two, three years with the tandem of Maxie, too. I don't want to leave him out. Maxie, James Harden, and Joel Embiid. Just remember that. Don't get lost in the sauce here because now – You did lose some depth, and the depth is showing up. You're discrediting what James Harden is. Even though he's not playing up to his capability, and there's another stride, well, that's almost a positive. He's giving you 21 and 11. He's facilitating the floor smoothly for you to get those important buckets that I referenced a few times already by Maxi, by Niang, by Embiid with a two-man game, him rolling to the basket. Wait till it does mold and form together. All right, let's go to Lance in Kansas City. What's up, Lance? Hey, Broads. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling, man. What's on your mind? 
Yeah, I want to continue the conversation that you're having here about the bench. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's not too soon to say that it's a, a bit of a disaster right now. And it's like extremely concerning. Um, and I'm I'm hesitant to ever place too much blame on the head coach. I'm, I'm kind of with you. Uh, you know, when everyone was screaming to fire Brett Brown, um, there was only so much he could do, you know, with, with the roster that he had and, and with dealing with Ben Simmons refusal to shoot. Uh, so I, I was never in the camp of, you know, get rid of him. Although I did agree that it was time to go. Yeah, same. I'm kind of in, in the same, uh, mindset here with doc rivers where look, he's, he's obviously extremely well-respected around the league. Um, however, uh, yes, he has blown a lot of leads. Um, and, and his rotations are questionable. And the fact that he doesn't play, uh, some of this young talent is also questionable. And I'm wondering why he's not playing, uh, Bassey. He's not playing Paul Reed hardly at all. He's hardly playing Isaiah Joe. Uh, when you're getting like literally like 13 points from your bench. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, Lance. And thank you so much. That's a, that's a great little dialogue you just mentioned so then I can kind of backpack off of it where I'm with you. I'm not putting all the blame on the coach, but I think you can say two things here. I don't love how Doc Rivers has handled everything to this point, and I don't like how he does things in-game, and it definitely bothers me. At the same time, I also acknowledge that the players on this roster have limitations, and there is a struggle with who to play because, as I just mentioned, you don't want Danny Green? Fine. You want Isaiah Joe? Eh. You want to put in Shake Milton? Eh. You want to put in Furcon? Eh. Where, you know, whoever you pick, we are probably going to complain about because they're not going to be able to execute to our level for a long period of time to satisfy us. At the same time, though, I feel that Doc Rivers shoots the team in the foot where you're settling, you're setting yourself back more than you need to. And that definitely causes a, a tough time for sure. So, This is what I started to think when Lance just spoke about it all. Where, well, how come Bassey's not playing? How come Reed's not playing? How come Isaiah Joe's not playing? I feel the same way. But if I'm going to be honest, deep down, if you're playing Bassey for six minutes, seven minutes, Bassey for six minutes and seven minutes, we know the bench is important. I get it. It's important. Is Charles Bassey for six minutes changing where this basketball team is going? Is Isaiah Joe going one for five, if he's even going to be able to put up five shots? Because remember, in playoff basketball, the game slowed down way more, less possessions, you're eating up the clock a little bit, and it's harder to get those shots too, may I add, to work for them. But if Danny Green goes 0 for 4 and... Isaiah Joe goes 0 for 3. I, I, I just feel like at that point, once again, the coach can only do so much. And it's not as if the answers are there. I don't think you have the answers. So instead of getting an F-, are we demanding Doc Rivers to get an F-plus 
And that's almost maybe the best way to describe it, where that doesn't mean I'm I'm pro-Doc. I'm not pro-Doc. The league respects Doc, and there's a lot of players that respect Doc, and Doc has a voice that everyone looks at. His his image, it speaks loud. There's no doubt about that. We, as much as we criticize him in the NBA circle, just like we talk about Ben Simmons, in the NBA circle, Ben Simmons is the sixth, 10 body frame with ball handling skills where everyone will try to get their hands on them because there's something about Ben Simmons that enamors you from a skill set. I want to study this kid and see if I could tap into it type of mindset with Doc Rivers. It's the same thing. Doc Rivers, the name, the body, the persona, it is so respected in league circles that there's something to be said about his presence. I'm not pro Doc, but I'm just saying, are we going to complain about an F an F plus? So, hey, you know what? I'm not mad at Doc tonight because he gave us an F-plus instead of an F-minus in terms of these players and their execution because the answers aren't there. There's no way to get an A. It's can you get an F-minus or an F-plus? Is that what we're screaming about? Because I say a Joe, I mean, we're not begging for Patty Mills to come off the bench while Patty Mills is stuck on the edge and getting no playing time. It's not Patty Mills. Right now we're screaming, should it be Furkan or Isaiah Joe? And once we start having that type of dialogue, I think it kind of gets thrown out the window. So, all right, let's go to Kyle in Connecticut. Hey, Kyle. What's up, bros? How are we doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Not bad. So, uh, these past couple of games have raised up a couple of questions with me. Um, you know, I'm trying not to overreact too much, but just seeing how poorly this bench has played. I think I just saw a stat that was like the last three games we've been outscored on the bench 140 to 46. Now, I'm aware that bench the bench role is going to minimize greatly in the playoffs. And, you know, maybe seeing like eight, six minutes, somewhere in that line, starters getting most of the role. But, you know, when it comes to like this regular season and trying to like pick up these games, does it concern you at all to see, you know, this lack of production? Do you think it's permanent? Do you think it's something that we can see improved? And do you think this is something that we need to address more in the off season? Definitely probably off season. Thanks, Kyle. That's where you're gonna get the results that you're looking for in the response that we desperately need. Is it raising more concern? Absolutely. I would be sugarcoating it if I pretended it didn't matter at all, where now it's starting to show itself. Now, just like with Niang, when he was super hot and drilling all threes, I tried to calm everybody down because there were so many so many that wanted to throw him into the starting rotation and bench Tobias Harris, but I kept claiming that he's not this. Okay, he's not this. He won't won't keep this up forever. He'll go back to the norm. And I feel with this bench, while Niang is my example of someone who was red hot scorching and just drilling everything, this bench right now is the complete opposite, which is it's so devastating and it's so awful and it's so hard to watch where are they this bad? Are they a tick above this really? And they'll go back to the norm, which is a little bit better than this. Not that that's going to be enough. I still think that that might be what hinders them and it might be what stops them from going as far as we would like. But just like the Yang was unbelievable, is this the bench on a run of unbelievably pathetic? where it'll even itself out a bit as we see Niang cool off. Will we see maybe four games where the bench is not getting outscored as much, they're not getting as dominated as much, and then it comes full circle a little bit on who your team is. Now, if you look at some of the minutes, 42 minutes, 39 minutes, 38 minutes, when you look through the starters in the box score, James Harden played 42. 
uh, you know, I thought that there was an interesting question asked during the broadcast about it at the end when they do that crossover between Amy Fadul in the studio and the coach and uh, Allah and Kate Scott. And something was brought up about the minutes. And, you know, do you look at that as possibly Doc Rivers realizing, I don't know what to do. I don't have many options available for me. So I'm going to have to nudge them, keep going. I, I got I got to have you here. Keep going. You're not coming out. Keep going. And I'd be lying if I said I would feel like, no. Did that even make sense? I have no idea. What I was trying to say was I'd be lying to you if I said, no, there's no correlation because I think there is a correlation. This is what minutes are going to have to be like in the playoffs. Close to 40 for Toby. And Bede played 35 tonight. Had 35, 17, and 5. I can't get over when he had, what, three defenders on him right by the free throw line. And he goes back to the three-point line and drills. What? What are we watching here? What are we seeing with Embiid? The major slam that almost broke the rim. I mean, this dude is an unstoppable force. And I can't believe, I guess I never really cared about it. And I don't focus on it too much because people are morons out there on Twitter and social media. But on my TikTok, which you can follow me at Broads Media, and on Twitter and Stat Muse and all this stuff, right? All these crazy analytical websites. When they watched Embiid and Jokic play the other night, there's still somehow how you watch that basketball game and your result was, oh, Jokic is by far better than Embiid because he helped the team win and all Embiid cares about is scoring points. And that's not enough to put yourself in an MVP position to win the trophy. What what are you doing? What are you watching? What are you analyzing? How does this work? What's in your head? Is there anything in your head? Is your brain turned on? Do you have common knowledge? Do you have cells in that brain? How in the world did you watch both of those two play the sport of basketball against one another? And then your final thought was, yeah, Jokic, the way Jokic plays, just a winner. Am I missing something? What has Jokic won? Did he win a championship? Now, I'm not not talking about when people vote for you. That doesn't count. I'm talking based off of going to win a championship. Because that's just... Oh, Jokic is a winner. Jokic just wins. All this guy does is... What does he want? What does he... What does he want? Yeah, shut up. Losers. Idiots. Morons. It's not even close. It's close. It's close. Jokic is a hell of a player. But last night when they played, or two nights ago, whenever the hell that game was, I'll say from there, that night wasn't close. But all right, with that being said, I'm going to shut things down here. I want to thank everybody so much for hanging out with me tonight here on the post-game show. I greatly appreciate it. I'm going to go kick back now and watch Rutgers play this second half in the first four before we get the NCAA March Madness tournament tomorrow. I have no idea why I explained it that way and said the full NCAA March Madness tournament. It's a little weird. Didn't flow right. I don't know. I apologize. I'm tired. Uh, I could use some caffeine. Uh, I could probably make a cup of coffee coffee so I can hang out a little bit longer. I'm probably going to do that. I'm probably an idiot. With that being said, thank you guys so much for hanging out and I will see you 